Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Numbers. Good morning, faithful listeners. Today we're jumping into Numbers chapter 14, and this is a continuation of Monday's podcast episode. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to Monday's podcast episode, go ahead and do that first before we jump into this one, because this is basically a part two of that one. But today we'll be reading Numbers 14, 1 through 25 today. I'll be reading out of W.E.B. as I usually do. So make sure to grab your cup of coffee or your cup of tea and let's go ahead and start. All the congregation lifted up their voice and cried and the people wept that night. All the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, we wish that we had died in the land of Egypt or that we had died in this wilderness. Why does Yahweh bring us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will be captured or killed. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? They said to one another, let's choose a leader and let's return into Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. Joshua, the son of Nun and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were of those who spied out the land, tore their clothes. They spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to spy it out, it is an exceedingly good land. If Yahweh delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only don't rebel against Yahweh, neither fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is removed from over them, and Yahweh is with us, so don't fear them. But all the congregation threatened to stone them with stones." Yahweh's glory appeared in the tent of meeting to all the children of Israel. Yahweh said to Moses, How long will this people despise me? How long will they not believe in me? For all the signs which I have worked among them, I will strike them with a pestilence and will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. Moses said to Yahweh, Then the Egyptians will hear it, for you brought up this people in your might from among them, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of the land. They have heard that you, Yahweh, are among this people, for you, Yahweh, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands over them, and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day, and a pillar of fire by night. Now if you killed this people as one man, then the nations which have heard the fame of you will speak, saying, Because Yahweh was not able to bring this people into the land which he swore to them, therefore he has slain them in the wilderness." Now please let the power of the Lord be great, according as you have spoken, saying, Yahweh is slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, forgiving iniquity and disobedience, and he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and on the fourth generation. Please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your loving kindness, and just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. Yahweh said, I have pardoned according to your word. But in very deed as I live, and as all the earth shall be filled with Yahweh's glory, because all those men who have seen my glory and my signs, which I worked in Egypt and in the wilderness, yet have tempted me these ten times, and have not listened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers, neither shall any of those who despised me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and has followed me fully, Him I will bring into the land into which he went. His offspring shall possess it. 
Since the Amalekite and the Canaanite dwell in the valley, tomorrow turn and go into the wilderness by the way to the Red Sea. So the people are once again upset. What a shocker. They are complaining that it's not going to be easy to go into the lands that God promised to them. But they don't even know if it's going to be easy or not because they're not willing to try to go into the land that God promised them. They're just overwhelmed over the fact that they have to go to war. They don't want to go to war. So here's what they say in verses one through four. And this is ridiculous what they say here, because here, let me just show this to you. It says, all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And they said to them, we wish that we had died in the land of Egypt or that we had died in this wilderness. So they're saying, we just wish death upon ourselves. But no, we can't go to war because we'll die. <laughs> I'm not even joking. That's what they're saying. They're saying here, we wish we would have died here in this wilderness, but why does Yahweh bring us to this land to fall by the sword? <laughs> so no, they don't wish they died. They're just being dramatic. They are being children, literally called the children of Israel. And they are literally acting like children here. And it's like the entire congregation. Well, I shouldn't say the entire, but a lot of the congregation of Israel are complaining about God. They are angry at God. So here's what they say in verse three. Why did Yahweh bring us to this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will be captured or killed. And that's another idiotic statement because here's what they say right here. Wouldn't it be better for us to return into Egypt? So they're worried about being captured, but they want to go back to Egypt to be captured as slaves. They don't really know what they want. These people are just crying and complaining. They just want things exactly the way they want it. And anything that doesn't line up exactly with what they want, they're going to cry and scream over. So that is definitely something we need to watch out for for ourselves. When God calls us to do something, the second something goes wrong, do we cry and scream and complain or do we walk in faith? Caleb and Joshua here walked in faith because you see that right after the, the children of Israel are complaining about all this stuff, complaining against Yahweh, it says Caleb and Joshua tried their hardest to get the people to see that God was on their side. Though I can imagine at this point that God was slowly <laughs> beginning to not be on their side with how they're crying and complaining. But before that, here's what it says in verse four. The people said to one another, let's choose a leader and let's return into Egypt. So it was complete and utter rebellion. They were like staging a coup against Moses and Aaron and against God. And they were saying, we can do it. We're going to do better than God. We know how to do things. God clearly doesn't know how to do things. So let's just go back into Egypt. It'll be fine. We'll live there. We'll have our tasty food and it'll be good. This is what they're thinking. They're, they're literally throwing a temper tantrum and they're saying, let us choose a leader. So they're trying to take it into their own hands, trying to take control from God. And they're angry here at God. And when I look this up on uh, Enduring Word commentary, one of my favorite commentaries, David Guzik actually made a fantastic point. And if you uh, don't know who David Guzik is, 
um, he actually wrote the Enduring Word commentary, and he was also on this podcast, fun fact, a while back. I think back in Exodus. But anyway, David Guzik wrote Enduring Word, and he made a fantastic point. He said that there is really no time in scripture that being angry at God is not considered to be a sin. And I love that point because I remember people saying, oh, you can be angry at God. Just let it all out. Tell God exactly how you feel. Part of me is like, yeah, we might as well just tell God how we feel. But there is no time in scripture that it actually says that that's not a sin. Anytime that somebody is angry at God, it's a negative connotation. They are sinning. So I liked that point. Because we hear that so often, like, be angry at God, just let it all out. Well, where does it say in scripture that we're supposed to be angry at God and let it all out? We're not supposed to be. And that is incorrect. That is wrong teaching. That is leading people astray. We are not supposed to be angry at God. Though, I should argue that if we are angry at God, we can respectfully talk to God about it. I remember one time I was in high school and I went to this camp. It was like a weekend camp. And my leader, who was my camp counselor, I remember her saying something to me that I just, it never set well with me. She said to me, sometimes I talk with God and I just say, dude, like, what are you doing, man? And she's like, you can talk to God like that. Like, he's, he's your friend. He's your father. Like, you can talk to God like that. And he doesn't get angry or upset. It didn't sit well with me because I have my own dad and I can just tell you right now that if I went up to my dad and was like, dude, what's your problem? My dad, (laughs) my dad would not have thought that was funny. He wouldn't have been like, come here, honey, and let's talk about this. He would have been like, I'm going to beat the crap out of you. You go to your room right now. That's what my dad would have done. (laughs) So it didn't sit well with me. And nothing in scripture says that we are supposed to talk to God like that. Rather, it says fear God, fear God, fear God, fear God. What does fear mean? To have respect for God. And anybody that has a dad that isn't going to tolerate any crap from you (laughs) and you grew up like that, you understand what respecting your father means. And we are supposed to respect our heavenly father and not call him dude and not uh, become angry at him to that extent. And if we are angry at God and we just don't understand why God would allow something to happen, because I've been there. If you caught the episode I did yesterday, it kind of goes, it kind of correlates with this one because we talked about how sometimes bad things happen to good people. And yes, We can wonder, like, why did this happen to this person? But we can't go to God and just disrespectfully be angry at him. Rather, we should be going to God in reverence, in fear, in respect on our knees and saying, God, I don't understand, like, why you allowed this to happen. And I'm angry that this happened. But you are still God. You are still good. And I respect you as God. I mean, imagine how our prayer lives would change if we took that perspective. And one thing that I said in the podcast yesterday was that we often blame God for every negative thing that happens in our lives, but we never give him glory for anything good that happens in our lives. That's exactly what these people here are doing 
in Numbers 14. They are blaming God for every single tiny little thing that goes wrong in their lives. They are making mountains out of molehills most of the time. And they are crying and complaining. But then they don't give God glory when something good happens to them. They didn't even thank God for bringing them quail a couple chapters back when God was like, yeah, you know what? I'll give you your quail. You're constantly crying and complaining how you wish you were back in Egypt, but I'll give you your quail. They got the quail for three days were acting entitled to it and not giving God the glory like, holy cow, God just did a fantastic miracle for us. Why did we act like that? None of that. And here it is again. And this was not long after the quail incident. Don't forget. This was very shortly after the quail incident that all this took place. People forget. They forget God's goodness. They forget God's mercy, love. We just forget. I forget. I forget all the time all the good things God gave gave me and has done for me over the years. As human nature, we have a, we're terrible at remembering God's goodness. We're really good at forgetting everything God has done for us. And that's the same thing here with these people. So they say to one another, let's choose a leader and let's return into Egypt. So Joshua, the son of Nun and Caleb beg the people. They're like, no, the land is really, really good. Don't rebel against Yahweh because that's what the people are doing because they're saying we're going to go back into Egypt. We're going to choose a better leader than Moses. We all we got this, you know. So Caleb and Joshua are begging the people, we can do this. God is on our side. He has taken protection off the people who are living in the good land. And now we can go in. We can do it. So here's how the congregation responds. All the congregation threatened to stone them with stones. Not a very appropriate response, but that is how they respond. They don't like the fact that Caleb and Joshua are telling them the truth. So they get angry. They say, we're going to stone you with stones if you don't shut up. So here is Yahweh's glory now. This was the last straw for Yahweh. Yahweh's glory appears in the tent of meeting to all the children of Israel. But he doesn't speak to the children of Israel. He speaks to Moses. And he says, how long are these people going to despise me? How long will they not believe in me for all the signs which I have worked among them? I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them and make you a nation greater and mightier than they. I don't know if you guys remember an episode I did back in Exodus. I believe it was Exodus 32. But Exodus 32 was talking about a golden calf that the people made for themselves. They wanted a God other than Yahweh. So when Moses was delaying up on the mountain talking with God, they decided to make themselves a golden calf. And Moses comes down the mountain, sees the people, like basically having this giant orgy in front of the golden calf. And so God had his anger burning against the people. It actually says burning hotly against the people because the people were being terrible all up to that point anyway. They had tested God several times. They weren't thankful. And now they're doing it all over again. They might not have a golden calf this time, but they're still rebelling against God. They're totally rebelling. So God says that he is going to strike them with a pestilence. 
But back in Exodus 32, God said the same thing to Moses. He says, I'm going to make you a great nation and I'm just going to destroy all these people because there's no saving these guys at this point. I'm going to make you a great nation, though. And here in Numbers 14, maybe close to a year after this golden calf incident, God says the same thing to Moses. He says to Moses, I will strike them with a pestilence and disinherit them and will make of you a great nation, mightier than they. So he's given Moses a pretty good deal here. I mean, Moses gets the chance to have a great nation. (laughs) Him be the father of this great nation. And all Moses had to do to take it would be like, okay, God, do what you want. Go and do it. But once again, Moses begs God not to destroy the people. He says, no, God, you brought these people out of Egypt. And he says, and you rescued them. So what are the nations going to do if you destroy all these people right here in the wilderness? They're going to say about you, God wasn't strong enough to actually protect and and, uh, raise up his people and whatever else. So Moses is giving this heartfelt prayer to God saying, God, no, no, no. Don't destroy your people, please. I don't want to be a great nation. I want these people to survive. And because of Moses's prayer, Yahweh pardons the people. And it's actually interesting. He gives the credit to Moses, which I found really interesting. Like God is extremely humble. Yahweh says, I have pardoned according to your word. How about that? He literally gave the credit of himself pardoning the people to Moses. I mean, God can do whatever he wants. Yet he gives the credit to Moses. And so here in 21, in very deed, as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with my glory or Yahweh's glory, because all those men that have seen my glory and my signs, which I worked in Egypt and the wilderness, yet have tempted me these 10 times, 10 times, the people who went as spies into the land, All 10 of them, well, rather there were 12 of them, but the 10 that came back with a negative report and stirred up all these people, God actually says that they tempted him 10 times. And these were leaders of the people, don't forget. These were the princes of the people that went out into the land and spied on it and came back with this negative report. So the princes spoke for the people. And you can see that they do because the people go along with the the 10 princes that say that the land is evil. They go along with that. So God says, these people, all of these people represented by these 10 princes here have tempted me 10 times. And God was merciful and gracious every single time that these people were mean and rude against God. But yet God was faithful towards them, even though they weren't faithful towards him. But he says, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and has followed me fully, I'm going to bring him into the land which he went. And he said, and his offspring is going to take it. Now, I think I read ahead a little bit here (laughs) because it doesn't actually say um, yet that uh, God is not going to bring them into the land, but basically that's what ends up happening. God was not going to bring the people into the land, but I think that wasn't until... um, 
what is it, verse 29 here, which we'll talk about later. So definitely tune in on Friday to hear the rest of this um, this chapter and to talk about it with me. But you know what, guys? I'd love for you to go over to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash P40 Ministries and follow it and take a look at everything I am doing there. But you can also just go to the website, p40ministries.com and subscribe to the email list. And I send out some emails on occasion when I remember to do it (laughs) about what's happening at P40 Ministries. So you can do that. But you know what, faithful listeners, I just hope that you have a great rest of your work week and that you are blessed. So I'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning for an episode out of Luke. Until then, happy listening and God bless.